1: The interminable wait for the Toronto Raptors to return to the court continues, and so on today's show, I'm digging back into the mailbag. You listeners out there have just sent in so many darn good questions over the last couple of weeks. i got to get to them, and so we will get to questions today about ideal playoff opponents for the Raptors. We will talk about the bench rotation. Why aren't Yuta Watanabe and Justin Champney playing? Plus, we'll dig into a question about leaked jerseys and a whole bunch more on today's episode of Lockdown Raptors. With yours truly, thanks for being here. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to episode number 1125 of Locked On Raptors for Thursday, February the 24th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter as always, at WoodleySean. You can find the show at Locked On Raptors. And of course, you can find the podcast free and available on all your favorite podcast platforms in audio form. You can subscribe, follow, rate, review, etc., Plus, you can go find the show in video form on YouTube as well. Just search up Locked on Raptors. It should be the first thing that comes up because uh, we've got lots of subs. So we've got that algorithm working for us, baby. Uh, oh, nearing 1,700 subs over on the YouTube channel. So thanks to all who, of those who have subscribed. And thanks in advance to those who plan on doing so. Even if you don't listen to the podcast on video, if you are a podcast app person, just subscribe to the YouTube page and you never have to look at it again. But it helps our numbers, which is very, very nice. Anyway. Thank you, as always, as well, for making us your first listen of the day. Sorry today's episode's coming a little bit later than normal. Just uh, the morning work stuff that got in the way. But either way, we are here now in the afternoon time to talk about Mailbag questions from you fine folks out there. Put on the call last night uh, because look, man, we're we're kind of biding our time here, waiting for the season to come back. We'll have a podcast tomorrow, teeing up the stretch run of the season and kind of digging into our hopes and dreams with Catherine niker who is a wonderful podcaster from the Buckets and Tea podcast over on Raptors Republic. Former guest of the show, we love katherine We're gonna have fun with her tomorrow. But today, mailbag questions to help bridge us uh, over to the return of basketball with the Raptors taking on the Hornets tomorrow night. So let's dive in, shall we, to your many, many good questions. And I'm going to devote the first segment entirely to our dear friend, Freddie Revis, past and future guest and an all-time question asker for these mailbag shows. He has asked uh, like three or four really good ones for today's episode. And so we will indulge him and uh, and take his questions off the top here. So Freddie Revis' first question is uh, timely. With the dunk contest now in the rear view, I will not lie. I did not watch the dunk contest. I was away, as I mentioned, on yesterday's show. And I don't think I missed much, as it turns out. But Freddie asks, if the Raptors had their own dunk-off who would, make, who would be the final four that would make the contest and who wins? So this is tricky. The Raptors have, I wouldn't say they have anyone who's like a notably great dunker. I think they have some good dunkers and some loud dunkers, which honestly, for in-game dunks, I would prefer loud dunkers to... Like, you know, acrobatic, you know, dudes who are doing incredible sort of flips and spins and through the legs stuff all the time. Flips and spins. Flips is not a thing people do for dunks, but maybe they should. I just, uh, the gymnastics dunk. I've I've just solved the dunk contest for the future. Just have gymnasts dunk. Anyway, um, for the Raptors, yeah, like, I would say they don't really have, like, the DeMar DeRozan or Norm Powell type high flyer slashing wing necessarily, Well, they've got some guys who can yam, and so I think my final four, Precious Achua's got to be there. I mean, he's thrown down a couple of the biggest dunks for the team this season. He's super athletic. As far as big men who go into the dunk contest go, I'm usually pretty down on that idea. It tends to be not so impressive to me when big men dunk outside of when JaVale McGee dunked on two nets, Uh, but I, I think Precious is kind of the right height, right size. He's not too sort of lumbering and tall. He's super athletic, crazy ups. I think... And he's also got like an irrational confidence about himself as well. So I think Precious would be definitely in the foursome who were dunking. I think OG's got to be there. I mean, he's just such a like emphatic dunker when he does put things down. Even like an average sort of like six feeling dunk would maybe have like an eight to it as its final score just because of the extra emphasis he puts on. He's like the anti Pascal Siakam when it comes to this. I don't think Siakam is in this. Siakam is... Uh, many, many good things. I don't think he's necessarily a great dunker. And I, you know, I just, I find he, I've talked about this before. He dunks with like the least emphasis I've ever seen. He'll just kind of like touch the rim and drop it in. It's a very delicate style of dunk, which, Hey, it kind of fits his finesse style of play, but I don't think he's in here. I think scotty barnes is probably in there he's had a couple of massive dunks so far this season he's got the big long arms he does like the spread eagle thing all the time where he's just kind of like arms out legs out and he's just an enormous human being i think he's probably in there along with precious and og and then to round out the crew i mean none of the guards gary Trent jr not sure he can dunk outside of fast breaks uh, <laughs> i don't think i've really seen it uh fred van vliet can't dunk obviously malachi flynn's not doing it uh, And then you have like the bigs chris boucher nice putback guy but not really a dunker in my eyes um you know similar I would say about Kim Birch not really high flying that young is uh, maybe never dunked a, a ball in his life I'm not sure I think for me my other option here is gonna be maybe this is controversial I think it's Utah Watanabe he's had some moments where he's had some ups and you know he's made big block shots on attempted dunks on his head he's of course seen beautiful dunking in person in the form of Anthony Edwards yamming on his face And I kind of think it would be like a fun little redemptive arc for Yuta Watanabe, the man who was the victim of the biggest poster of the 2020-21 season to uh, be in a dunk contest and perform well. Uh, And I just think he's kind of got a little bit of juice to the way he drives. He's not like throwing down crazy dunks all the time or anything like that. But of the guys that are uh, available here, I think he's probably my pick as number four. And for the winner, I think I'm going Precious. He's just, he's very, very, uh, you know, the confidence in him. He's going to pull something out crazy might miss it on the first couple tries, but he finally put it down. It'll be incredible. Uh, I could see OG maybe just like relying a little bit too much on the under-the-basket chin-up dunks and different variations of that. And so maybe it gets a little bit stale. Uh, and I just, you know, Scotty, I think, is more of a sort of cerebral in-game dunker type than he is maybe a uh, let's-do-the-pomp-and-circumstance-of-hilarious-contest dunk. I th- I really think it's like pressure Utah. Precious Utah is my final two, I think. And then Precious comes out on top as the uh, king dunker on your Toronto Raptors. A wonderful question. I love dunks. It's the most important thing in the world. That's why we started the show with dunks, baby. Uh, another question here comes from Freddie Rivas, and his question is Positions don't matter, but for the fun of it, tell me who is and what, uh, who is what position wise with the bench, uh, citing Precious Achua, Chris Boucher, Thad Young, Delano Banton, and Cam Burch, the first five guys, it seems, in the rotation right now. So, look, none of these guys are ever playing altogether. There's going to be a point guard on the floor, either in the form of Fred Van Vliet or, of course, Pascal Siakam. So I don't think any of these guys really qualify as a point guard. I would probably say Delano Banton's the closest thing when he's out there, but he's more of a slashing two guard to me than he is uh, a point guard when he's on the floor. Maybe he's more of like a playmaking four. Yeah, how about that? Delano Banton's the four. Uh, we'll go Chris Boucher is the shooting guard because uh, Chris Boucher before this season kind of was a shooting guard in a center's body. He's changed it up before or changed it up this season and is no longer that type of player. He's really changed the way that he impacts the game, but I still think he's got that sort of uh, you know, gunner mentality in him. He can be the shooting guard. I would say you've got Fad as your point guard, he is a great passer, he is going to defer, he's going to set the table for the rest of the team. Uh, and then I guess you have the three and the five to fill in here. I would say Precious at the three. He can put the ball on the deck a little bit. Ken Birch is the easy five, the traditional five, the most traditional five on the team. And so there you go. Those are the positions of the bench. Point guard Thad, power forward Delano, small forward, Precious a shooting guard Chris Boucher, none of it matters. It's all made up, and it's all make-believe when it comes to Raptors and positions. But a great question from Freddie. Uh, and we will round out the Freddie Revis, uh ceremonial segment here with his final question relating to the back end of the bench. Two guys not involved in his question, Yuta Watanabe and Justin champenny Yes, they're two of the five Raptors that are shooting above league average from three. Why are they benched? Uh, when it comes to Champagny... I think it's just a matter of there's lots of other guys who do the things that he does while also having a little bit more offensive juice overall. Like, I think, yeah, Champagny's had some nice games. I would argue his percentages are being kind of inflated by a couple of hot games. I think he won like a four or five game at one point. It's not like he's shooting a ton from downtown. I'll just pull it up here. Uh, Bear with me as a basketball reference loads for me. But yeah, he's a 41% three point shooter this season on a total of 22 attempts. I don't know if that's really the uh, sample you're looking for for any sort of indication that he is a shooter. He wasn't really a shooter in college. It's probably something they're working on, obviously. It feels like that's going to be kind of his lot in life as maybe like a four spacing, offensive rebound grabbing, you know, versatile defensively power forward type. Um, But I think, you know, As much as he kind of is in theory like a wing on this team because he shoots threes in theory and because he's only like six foot six and he was more of a wing in college, he does big man things on this team. He guards bigger players. He crashes the offensive glass. He's screening and diving. He's cutting in the dunker spot, things like that. Not really wing stuff. And so he's not really satisfying that need for an actual wing that the team kind of needs. And he does, I think, a few things just less effectively than guys like Precious Achua or uh, Chris Boucher or Ken Burch, etc. You know, I think there's an argument to be made that he should get some run in here at some point. But I think with the way the rotation's looking right now, with Thad Young Young coming, and I don't really see there being that much of an avenue for Justin champenny here. Yuta Watanabe, I would say, I would totally like to see back in the rotation here, just because I think his shooting is valuable. You know, maybe you slot him in place of Delano Benton in those minutes that he's been playing. You know, I I have no problem with Banton playing either. I just don't know if maybe this year is where you're getting the best of Banton. And I think the things Utah does, which is smart defense, you know, a little bit of second side action where he can drive and and attack a closeout if he has to. not the best thing in the world, but it's not terrible. He's got pretty good vision. He can make that next play out of that drive. And I also just think the three-point shooting, it's better than what we've seen. And I still think it's bizarre That really two games after returning from COVID were enough to cost Utah his rotation spot. I I think there's a role for him here. I think he's one of the better shooters on the team with a more proven sample than Champagny. And I would like to see him get back in the lineup at some point here. I just don't know if we'll see it with the way things are working. And it's tough. You got to pick someone to remove from the rotation as well. And I don't know if that's an easy question to answer. Not taking out Thad. I think he's their sixth best player already. You've got Chris Boucher, who's playing out of his mind, deserves to play. Precious Achua, they're invested in long-term. His defense might be the best on the team or very close to it. Yes, his offense is an adventure, but his defense is valuable. And again, they're invested in his growth. And then there's Ken Burch, who I think if you're picking someone to maybe swap out and take some minutes away from him, take away from anybody and give to Utah, Ken Burch might be the guy. But that feels weird because Kem is so steady and reliable. When he goes in there with the starters, it looks pretty good. So it's not like it's an easy thing. it is one of them good problems, I suppose, that you have all these guys who are playing well. But if you're looking for a little bit more diversity in the types of players the Raptors throw out in terms of skills – Utah might be an option to kind of throw in there if you're getting sick of the four big man <laughs> rotation with Alonzo Banton sprinkled in. Um, with that, big thank you to our pal Freddie for those very, very good questions at the top. We'll get more questions out of the way coming up in just one second here. But first, I want to tell you about our friends over at betonline.ag. Football might be over for this season, but basketball is in full steam. Is at full steam, both in the pro and college ranks. From the latest odds, totals, play performance props to where the next fired coach is going to land, betonline.net is the number one spot for all your sports betting needs. BetOnline remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. And it's not just basketball. BetOnline.net is your source for hockey, boxing, and UFC. And, of course, MLB eventually one day when they come back to us as well. I use BetOnline all the time. I've uh, thrown some money down on some titles futures, uh, both with the Suns and the Nuggets, both riddled by injury right now. I feel pretty good about both, though, still. I think I'm going to win some bucks there, baby. Uh, head to the website, use the mobile device, or use your mobile device today as well, and you can learn more about the trends and the action at BetOnline, where the game starts.
0: The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late-season drama.
1: All right, we continue on here with the mailbag episode of the show with some more wonderful questions that came in from the good people out there. This one here comes from Andrew Livingston. Andrew asks, who would be the team you'd want the Raptors to meet up with in the first round of the playoffs? So we answered a version of this question last week with Katie Heindel in the Friday mailbag, and that one was more of a, what would be the most satisfying team to beat in the East? And like that is a very different question than this one, which is, which team do you want to match up with in the first round I think for me, you know, obviously we'll, we'll assume they've won the play in and then they've advanced as either the seven or the eight seed. The seedings are also jumbled right now. They could end up playing literally anybody. It's just such a mess. I would say if I'm like ranking the potential opponents, I think the Cavs are number one. I think they are gettable. I think. They're just not super deep. I think their offense is really going to struggle in the postseason, even if their defense is really good. I just think like the Raptors have a little bit more in terms of depth right now and overall shot making right now, and it's so much is like hinging upon Darius Garland for that offense to really operate and run smoothly. And I think he might be the kind of guy who, you know, you throw some length on him in a playoff series. You, you harass him with Scottie Barnes and Pascal Siakam and maybe Precious Achua uh, in a small, you know, you know bit part here once in a while working out in space. You throw in uh, OG Ananobi, obviously. Like, I, I think there's a world in which you can kind of make life a little difficult for Darius Garland in the postseason. And I don't know if Jarrett Allen Evan Mobley are quite there just yet. You know, I feel like Larry is a guy you can beat up on in terms of a matchup defensively. Same with Kevin Love. I mean, I just think there's some holes that can be attacked there in Cleveland. So they're my number one. I would say the Bulls are probably number two. As much as I think they're fantastic, I do worry about their defense, even if Ball and Caruso are back. Uh, I think that's those two guys are not necessarily stopping the best offensive players on the Raptors we kind of talked about this yesterday Um, and so I think the Bulls would be number two for me even if there's the potential of some serious karmic payback in the form of DeMar DeRozan roasting the Raptors with an excellent playoff proof performance where his game does not drop off like it has in the past kind of exhibits his overall growth that's certainly a downside to playing the Bulls but I do think uh, in terms of teams that have a chance of beating I think the Bulls would be right there after that i mean it gets tricky i, I think and i gotta say to, to those commenters on youtube who have been like uh, you're too negative how do you got to believe in the team i am not in the negative i am the most optimistic person there is covering the raptors if you have followed my work for how i've been doing this podcast for almost six years i have been constantly the optimist i'm also trying to be realistic and actually cover the team with a critical lens and i think if you look ahead it's pretty clear to say that the bucks and the heat 100 better than the raptors and i think that's fine to say those teams are crushing it right now they have better records they have better point differentials they have overall better top end talent than the raptors that's not me saying the raptors are bad i think the raptors are awesome this is among the most fun regular seasons i've ever covered and i've covered a lot of them over the years i've watched even more of them this one is on the short list it's amazing i'm having the time of my life watching and thinking about talking about this team I also think it's okay to accept that they're going to be a pretty serious underdog in a first-round series against most of these teams. They'll be an underdog against the Heat and Bucks for sure. They're probably an underdog against the Sixers. They don't have a center to go up against Joel Embiid. That could be a problem. I think they can find some ways to work around it, and I think that would be a pretty interesting and compelling series and a fascinating one X's and O's-wise for sure because of the very different roster constructions at play. But I think they'd be favored to lose in that series against the Sixers and that's fine um you know the Celtics are in there as well and I I think you know I, I am really grappling with what that matchup would look like they're probably number three for me on this list of teams I'd be okay playing I don't think they're a perfect team by any means I think their offense can struggle and I think with the way the Raptors have given Jason Tatum trouble in the past that could be a problem for this team that is so dependent On Tatum and Brown, both of those guys have a 30% usage rate. The next highest guy in the team is around 20, and it's Derek White and Derek White and Marcus Smart. If you're like funneling a bunch of threes to those guys because you're selling out to stop Brown and Tatum, I kind of think that could be a troublesome thing for the Celtics. Unless, of course, Marcus Smart does a thing where he hits 7,000 threes in the game against the Raptors, and you know there's nothing you can do about it. But I, I think you know as much as the Celtics are scary and have played very well. I think they're probably number three for me in terms of teams I think the Raptors can beat. After that, you know, it's a wash, really, for me, Miami, Milwaukee. uh, Maybe I would rather see them play in Miami just because they played them well this season. I mean, they've beaten the Bucks a lot, too. They were never fully healthy with Drew Holiday, and I think that championship pedigree is a little bit much to contend with. But, um, you know, I, I think the East is so clustered. It's not like they're going to go into any series as like a – 90 percent you know outcome of of losing i think i think there's going to be a pretty decent chance of some upsets in the postseason this year because of the way the standings are working out um but yeah i think if you want the raptors to advance past round one you're rooting for the Cavs and probably the bulls as your second option um but even then the bulls are probably favored in that too but that's okay and it does not mean that i think the raptors are bad or not good or that i do not believe in them sorry to get angry about youtube comments but sometimes you just got to call them out anyway let's continue on Uh, next mailbag question here. This one comes from, uh, Raman Shinobi. Interesting question. How long will Nick nurse last with the Raptors at this rate? I can see being at least five years, potentially longer. Well, this is his fourth season with the team already. And yeah, I mean, Nick nurse feels like he's going to be around for the long haul. I'm not sure if the question is asking five years from now or five years total from the start of his tenure. Either way, I think both, uh, he might hit both (laughs) like uh, the Raptors to me. Don't feel like a team that is super eager to blow things up and make drastic changes for the sake of change. They've been very patient. They probably waited a couple years longer than people expected them to hang on to Dwayne Casey, for example, because they value continuity. They value being good and relevant and in the conversation and winning You know, 50 games and whatever. There may come a crossroads at some point here with Nick Nurse in this, you know, version of the team where, hey, maybe a year or two from now, they start losing in the postseason and round one, round two, and there starts to be a bit of disappointment that seeps in. This happens with most teams when it comes to their win arc and trajectory. You know, you start off where things are all gravy and happy, and then eventually expectations mount and things start having higher stakes and, you know, job security is on the line. I don't think we're anywhere near that right now. And I think Nick Nurse has built up so much equity. He's won a coach of the year. He's won a title, of course. He was the coach for that 2019-20 team where he won coach of the year. That was just this beautiful revelation. Even last year in the bubble, not in the bubble, but in uh, Tampa, at the start of that season, really rough start, 2-8, and eight, but he figured things out. He made the switch to go small. It won them a ton of games. And then their season was derailed by COVID, totally out of his control. Yeah, there was some stuff with Pascal Siakam. That stuff seems to be totally uh, behind us now in water under the bridge for sure. And it seems like Nick Nurse kind of has carte blanche to do what he wants with this roster and go forward. I don't think there's any job security questions right now. I suppose you could say that Nick Nurse is a bit of an eccentric is probably the way you'd put it. And maybe that, you know, rubs people the wrong way. Maybe he's the type of guy where, you know, eventually his welcome will be worn out or whatever, but I don't think that's happened yet. And I would say, yeah, like Nick Nurse to me figures to be one of those guys who is the coach of a team for a very long time and is part of a a winning program and a culture That just keeps on going. It seems like he's pretty player friendly for the most part. You know, guys seem to like getting, you know, get along with him. He seems to be very open to input from his players, which seems like a valuable thing, especially in today's day and age. So yeah, if I was given an over under on time spent, you know, it's tough to bet on job security with probably the least secure job in all of sports, which is professional coach. I would say I think, you know, outside of being like a running back, I suppose. But, like, it's – you know, basketball coaches, they get fired. They're hired to get fired. If he will get fired at some point, I'm sure. But if I was given an over-under on, like, three and a half years from now – I would probably take the over. I think the Raptors and Nick Nurse are in a pretty good spot. Masai Ujiri's around. Bobby Webster's around. Doesn't seem there's going to be a ton of front office change, which is usually what incites a coaching move. And so, yeah, I think Nick Nurse is going to be around a very long time. And that's a good thing because Nick Nurse, as much as people will question his methods, the dude wins basketball games and has a pretty damn good way of going about it. So great question from at Raman Shinobi there. We're going to round out with a few more questions uh, and uh, have some fun with it coming up in just one second here. But first, I want to tell you about our friends over at rockauto.com. Look, I've told you about rockauto.com for a long time now, and I will tell you again, they are the place to avoid your fear of the mechanic. I hate going to the mechanic because I know nothing about cars, and when I go and there's something wrong with my car and I need a new part, I just sit there, like staring dumbfounded at the guy. And eventually I'm paying out of the pocket a lot more than I have to for the part that I need because. They usually only have one version of the part you need in stock. They might not even have it. They might have to order it from the warehouse down the street and then have them bring it over. But again, it's just one option, one price, one brand, everything is decided for you. But with rockauto.com, you can choose the parts that, that you want, the brands, the specifications, the prices you prefer to pay, and they have everything you might need from brake parts and tail lamps to motor oil, new carpets, everything in between. You can go and check them out. It's easy to use. I can use their website and I know again, Nothing about cars, but I can navigate it just fine and find the parts that I need. I've purchased stuff from rockauto.com before. I purchased a gas cap for my car one time, windshield wipers you can buy as well for much cheaper than you'll get at the dealership as well. Highly recommend you go get the parts you need for your car and bring them to the mechanic and ask them to put them in. Then you're just paying for labor, baby. You're not paying for the part that you didn't have any say in selecting. So go to rockauto.com right now, see all the parts available for your car truck and write locked on in there. How'd you hear about us, Box? You know that we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the car parts you will ever need at rockauto.com. The
0: NBA playoffs are right around the corner and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA available on youtube and wherever you get podcasts part of the locked on podcast network your team every day
1: all righty let's round out this mailbag edition of the show with a uh, question from eric morris at epic mapis ask thoughts on the leaked 2022-23 city jerseys is it time to move on from the ovo black and gold alternate color scheme yet uh, so, yes, this was uh, yesterday. If you go to Chris Creamer, uh, sportslogos.net, I believe, is his site uh, on Twitter. Chris Creamer, if you find him, he has a list of leaked city jerseys for next season. And the one for the Raptors uh, is a black jersey with gold writing in Toronto on the front. It's pretty basic looking, actually. doesn't really have a ton of personality to it. It's just Toronto with a number. And, <sighs> Look, man, I, I get why they have the OVO jerseys. I think the OVO jerseys for this year are actually really good, and I didn't mind them last year either. I think they're a fine thing to wear a couple times a season. Welcome Toronto night is a really cool thing and a, a nice initiative where it's actually you know benefiting the community. Those nights, you know, all the money there's a bunch of money that's raised for uh, you know building courts throughout Toronto and whatnot. I, I think it's a cool thing. Drake is obviously still involved with the team. Ovo is tied with the team. Ovo Center is the name of the place they practice. Don't think the Golden Black is going anywhere anytime soon. I do kind of wish it wasn't so prominent. And honestly, like, I I'm, my bigger issue is not so much with like the Golden Black. It's kind of with like the yearly city jersey thing in general. I think we can do away with that. It's never going away because Nike loves money. But at some point, you gotta have diminishing returns, right? On all these different new jerseys. Are people actually buying these city jerseys every year? Maybe they are. I'm certainly not. Uh, you know, outside of like the purple or the, the white, you know, Raptor jerseys or whatever, um, I'm not buying these every single year. And I just think there's way more like interesting stuff you can do if you must have a yearly city edition jersey for the Raptors. There's way more stuff you can do other than just having OVO be your color scheme. Toronto's a pretty cool town, as it turns out and there's lots of different inspiration you could pull from but each year it just seems to be the same inspiration whereas you see other cities they'll kind of change it up and mix it up you know the Grizzlies have the MLK jerseys and then they have you know Memphis or Vancouver jerseys that are ins- Vancouver inspired jerseys etc I-, I like the sort of changing it up method a little bit more than I do just keeping it with the same inspiration over and over um I will also say though I don't think the OVO jerseys are the worst of the Raptors jerseys right now I think their white jerseys like completely stink I really don't like them. They feel incomplete to me. The the chevron does not look good in red on the white. It just seems so basic and plain. It kind of feels like a practice jersey, honestly. I like the reds. The blacks, I think, are fantastic. And honestly, if the Raptors reorganized their entire look after the black and red with the red trim and the the pinstripes down the middle, like if they had a white version of that and a red version of that, I'd be super happy because I think that jersey rocks. It is beautiful. It is the best jersey they've had in a very long time, I think. Um, you know, the OVO ones I think are, you know, just kind of you know, snore honestly. I don't really care that much, I don't get excited about them, I don't really find them to be like overly offensive necessarily either. But yeah, I think it might be time for a little bit of a rebrand with the Raptors, just kind of changing up their look in general. Those jerseys that they're wearing now are kind of always going to be tied to the Tampa season for me because that's when the change was made. And it just was it just didn't work, man. Like, and I don't like jerseys that I associate with bad times, like the red jerseys from the Chris Bosh in, you know, into the Barg's years. Those are always going to be kind of like, oh, this is a jersey I associate with being really, really sad and playing a lot of NBA Live 07. Uh, (laughs) We don't need to go back to that, man. So, yeah, as much as the OVO scheme feels a little bit tired and I'd like to see something different, it's far from the biggest issue with the Raptors jerseys right now. Uh, Another question here. This will probably be our last one here. It comes in from Karen Leslie Hall, uh, who says uh, they've been staving off Raptors withdrawal by binging Open Gym and asked, do other franchises have similar behind-the-scenes series? Uh, As I understand it, none really do. And I think it is an enormous missed opportunity, not only for the NBA teams, but for literally any sports team or enterprise that doesn't offer the kind of behind the scenes look the raptors offered like for their fans i think you're just missing a, an enormous opportunity and i think we've seen this with f1 i'm not sure but any of you i've watched drive to survive uh and i'm pretty addicted to it and i was never an f1 fan before I'm fully an F1 fan now. I was watching the Lewis Hamilton, you know, disgrace of five, final race, uh, you know, in Abu Dhabi earlier this week, or uh, like earlier, I guess not this week. It was a couple months ago. Now, God, time's fake, but uh, <laughs> um, but like, yeah, I was totally invested in that. I can't wait for the next season of it as well. And we've seen it with Open Gym as well, getting that in-depth look at your team. There's just nothing that's going to get fans on board like that, right? Like you can have all of your you know, blogger type people and the people who do X's and O's breakdowns and all that stuff, that's going to, you know, snare in a certain portion of the fan base for sure. But the sort of lay people out there who don't care about the X's and O's, who don't care about the, you know, the on-court, you know, machinations of certain plays and sets, etc. they're here for the stories. They're here for the people they can latch on to and feel like they they know a little bit. And I think Open Gym does that in a way that like every other fan base that doesn't have it is missing out. It's incredible. I don't even watch Open Gym that much i find you know it's just i don't need to consume more raptors content than i you know do in the day usually I, I consume a lot of it and it's just uh you know it's a personal choice that i just hey that's something i don't really dabble in but when i have watched it it's incredible and i'll watch the open gym moments on twitter and stuff like that when they post the clips it's great and i feel bad for other fans of teams who have this and you know even more so for teams or for, for sorry for fans of teams that don't have this. And I feel even worse for the teams or the fans of teams where they're just like keeping everything behind an iron curtain. Like imagine the Oklahoma City Thunder during the Kevin Durant years and Russell Westbrook actually having that behind the scenes access instead of shooing reporters out of every room they walked into down there, which was kind of the culture it sounds of media with that team. It's just a bummer. Like that would never happen with that team. But imagine how much more enriching that fan experience would be if you had it. So yeah, super pro open gym. I don't think other teams have it. They're stupid. If they don't, they should absolutely have it. Even though it will be a cheap bastardization of what the Raptors have done with open gym. Uh, everyone should have it. It just seems like obvious marketing to me, but maybe that's, uh, you know, above my pay grade to really dig into either way that is going to do it for today's episode thank you so much to everybody who sent in questions lots of good ones in there special shout out to freddie revis for sending in a uh, an excellent uh, trio of questions that we devote an entire segment to because he's our pal uh either way thank you so much for listening as always we'll be back again tomorrow katherine niker is gonna come on the show from the buckets and tea podcast and we are going to talk about our hopes and dreams for the final 25 games for your Toronto Raptors. Tee it up, talk about the Hornets game coming up on Friday as well. And uh, just kind of evaluate where things are as the stretch run begins in earnest tomorrow. Uh, until then, you can uh, check out, of course, the podcast, wherever you get your podcasts for free on all your apps and on YouTube. Thank you for making us your first listen of the day. Go make your second listen of the day, Locked on NBA. as we excuse me, as we're airing those, uh, another round table we did on Tuesday where I chatted with all the hosts from the play-in mess. Those round tables are are all up on the Locked on NBA channel all week long. So you can go watch them for the East contenders, the West contenders, the tanking teams, the no man's land teams, the West play-in teams. It's really, really great. Highly recommend you go and check out those wonderful episodes on Locked on NBA. And with that, we will sign off and talk to you again on Friday with another episode of Locked on Raptors. Bye-bye.